Hi, I'm Lori, and I want to welcome you to the Awakening Moments podcast. And I'm Rhonda. Lori and I are pastors here in Ottawa, Canada, and we're both wives, moms, and most importantly, daughters and servants of God. And it's our hope and prayer that you would have awakening moments with us as we wrestle through the hard things in life. Lori and I love that we can share our lives with you, so grab your tea or coffee and let's awaken our hearts together. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Here we go again. I know. It's so good, eh? We're so pumped. Oh my goodness. And listen, I as we're continuing in the spiritual gift series, I do want to just throw a disclaimer out there because <laughs> like we're not coming from a place of being experts at all. So really, like I want you to think of these podcasts if you're listening to them and you're digging into them as an invitation into a process of learning and growing and understanding like everything that we're saying we're not saying it you know because we've know everything about it or anything like that and some of it we're figuring out so a year from now we might come back and say oh whoops we kind of got <laughs> yeah. that wrong or we yeah. we interpreted that a little differently so again please have grace with us as we're walking this through we just we don't want you to think that well Lori and Rhonda said so I have you know it's not necessarily but we are inviting you through these conversations on a journey with us to unpack the spiritual gifts that we have that the Holy Spirit has enabled in our lives and how to walk those out practically in the body of Christ, um, in the kingdom, as the Holy Spirit enables us to do. And so we do so, we engage in these conversations with tremendous humility, um, not at all from a place uh, or a position of like, you know, (laughs) ultimate authority. Our ultimate authority is to the word of God, 100%. But we are from what we're learning, from what we're reading, from what we're listening to in other experts and other teachers, we're, we're kind of bringing it all together and, you know, processing it in our own lives and then with you in the podcast. So hope that's okay. That's a great disclaimer. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad you said that. Because <laughs> it's true. Because we're having revelations as we're going through this. And even in between our podcasting times, we're talking about what God is even awakening in us as we're doing the podcast. So we are on this journey. And we also want to say they're all like they're going pretty long because some of them are going to be shorter, but some may be longer. We're just letting it go. We're There's not kind of keeping. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack. And some of them will be shorter, but like some of them will be longer because perhaps we have one of the gifts and it's, it's just really neat to kind of unpack what God is speaking to our own lives about or in our family, what we're experiencing. So, and we're hoping yeah. that these podcasts will be a great compliment to what's happening again on Sunday. So yes. I always want to encourage you to at life center, go to lifecenter.org and the spiritual gifts um, series that we're in, it's called different. So if you, and we're, our podcasts are actually, we're unpacking and breaking them down in the same uh, gift as we're doing on Sundays. So you can listen to the Sunday message, which will probably be 30 to 40 minutes. And then you can unpack kind of a further dialogue and discussion about those gifts on the podcast. So we're, we're trying to kind of do like a two prong approach to really provide some really neat unpacking, really neat dialogue, really neat processing around your spiritual gifts. So that's our heart behind it. So we are on the word gifts And I'm just going to do a recap of the word gifts. They are, they include exhortation, teaching, apostleship, ruling or called leadership, prophecy, faith, pastor, well, faith, yes. We'll see, we might unpack it in a different cluster. Some of them kind of, some of them go into a couple of clusters. Yeah, go into a couple. Pastoring, 
evangelism, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. And the word gifts clarify the nature of the unseen God and what he expects from his, from his followers. And people using these gifts both communicate about God and for God. Word gifts help us to understand God's nature, his purposes, and how to relate to him. Perfect. And again, if you're just coming on today, we just want to reiterate that, you know, we believe that every single person is given at least one gift empowered by the Holy Spirit, that the gift is God's and it belongs to him. And we're called to steward it. We're called to be faithful. He decides the measure. He decides how much of the gift that he gives us, very similar to that parable of the talent. So again, if you're not familiar with it, you can find that in the scriptures where where do you think it's found? I think you it's Ma- <laughs> Matthew. It's Matthew 20. Okay, Rhonda's going to look it up and she'll <laughs> give you the exact reference if you want to read it. But we believe very much that the gifts work very similar to how um, this this parable is unpacked. That, you know, the master or God, our master, he enables the gifts. It's his property. It belongs to him. He entrusts it to us and we're called to steward it. And so every single one of us has at least one. And... Um, Uh, And some of us have more than one, or as we're trying to process this, we're wondering if it's that we operate in other gifts, even through the lens of our sort of primary or main empowered gift that Christ has given us. So, so again, we're, we're processing this, we're learning this, um, we're seeing connections between some of the gifts and it's really fun and exciting. So it is. And so funny, I can't find it right now where our (laughs) references, but We'll get back to you on that. Well, if you Google it, if you Google <laughs> the, the parable of the talents, it's a reference of 14 to 30. That's the in, verses. It's but. in Matthew. <laughs> no problem. It's fine. It's hard to find on the spot sometimes. All right. So today we're going to unpack uh, three gifts out of that word gift um, cluster. And today we're going to be unpacking the spiritual gift of pastoring. We're going to be unpacking the spiritual gift of evangelism and the spiritual gift of leadership. And so in the scriptures, the book of Ephesians actually lists apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so in Ephesians, it describes it as these are um, the type of leaders that are called to equip the church to do the work of ministry. And so um, these type of leaders represent also, though, which is so fascinating, a spiritual gift. So a leader who's known by the name of pastor um, can even in the scriptures also be called an elder or a bishop. You'll see that in other references, and it's referring to the same thing. And most likely the person who exercises the pastoral spiritual gift is likely a multi-gifted person. So again, there are a couple of gifts that we're going to unpack. And in the research that Clinton has done, um, we see that some gifts seem to have a sort of multifaceted expression of those gifts. So pastoring would be one that falls into that. So here's the definition of the pastoral gift. Now, again, not to be confused with the role or the office or even the job title of a pastor because someone can be given the title of a pastor and not necessarily have the spiritual gift of pastor. So this one can be a little confusing. Mm -hmm. So we want to, even in this conversation, sort of separate those two. So the pastoral gift is the capacity to exercise concern and care for members of a group so as to encourage them in their growth in Christ, which involves modeling maturity, protecting them from error and disseminating truth. All right. So that part about disseminating truth, that reminds me of the teacher 
Okay. So there's a little, right. There can be some tie-ins there. And again, a lot of our gifts overlap into other gifts, qualities, and parts of them. So, but the pastoral gift, again, I'm just going to read it one more time is the capacity to exercise concern and care for members of a group or a church to, so as to encourage them in their growth in Christ, which involves modeling maturity, protecting them from error and disseminating truth. And so what's interesting about this gift is there is not a strong certainty in this sort of definition that we can find from scripture. Like with some of the other gifts, there's a very definite and very strong identification and and description that we can find from scripture to help others discover if they have it and to describe it. Um, and so the the gift of pastoring doesn't quite have the same strong certainty um, in being able to describe it. The shepherd concept in the New Testament leadership passages does shed some light on what pastoring is. And again, the role of elder and bishop also help to provide some understanding of it. The definition of pastor is a little stronger than ruling or leadership. So when we unpack leadership again, we'll probably find, and we've even explained as we've talked it through about leadership, that it's a little, there's, there's a lot of nuance in leadership. Mm -hmm. And that's again, because biblically it's a little bit harder to define. Um, but gifts like teaching and exhortation and prophecy are much easier to scripturally really, really define. So for you, they might be easier if you have those gifts to really define that in yourself as well. So some of the symptoms um, that you might see if you have the spiritual gift of pastoring might look like this. People usually look to you to make decisions. People feel you have authority in things concerning the church and spiritual matters. You are usually picked as the leader in committees, organizations, and group meetings. You seem to influence the actions of groups by what you do and what you say. You have the ability to maintain order or discipline among people. You easily see the problems of a group that you are relating to and accept responsibility to help them. You're concerned that groups of Christians that, that you relate to grow in Christ-likeness and unity and you're willing to do something about it. You would be considered by most if they were asked that you are a leader and you exert influence over people so as to instill loyalty to you and your way of thinking and doing things. And so some would classify what we have called the pastoral gift as the office only. And again, that's what I was referring to a minute ago about, you know, some people are in the office of a pastor, meaning they have the responsibility of a pastor. This person filling the office is picked from him or her spiritual qualifications but it is apart from any sort of specific pastoral gift, spiritual gift. So 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 provide a list of qualifications for the office of an elder or pastor. So that's someone who, like Rhonda or myself, we are pastors. That's our office. That's our job and our role. Um, in any case, people operating from this point of view still need to exercise various aspects of the pastoring, you know, sort of function, even in the spiritual gift. But again, as we've talked about many times, there's operating in the Holy Spirit given empowered spiritual gift of pastoring. And then there's operating in the discipline of the aspects of and characteristics of a pastor. And so both of those are in play. And if you operate in this gift, um, your overriding concern is with the health and growth of the believers that God has put under your care. And so I think for a lot of you, you, especially those of you who lead life groups, 
many of you probably have a pastoral spiritual gift. Mm -hmm. And so even in your leadership of your life group, you're concerned about these things. You care about these things. It is possible to operate in this gift without any official role as in like an organized group or like Rhonda and I who are in literally the career of being pastors. That's our job. Um, There are so many people, so many people that are operating in this gift who do not have any official job description that says pastor on the top. And so again, small groups are often where men and women who have this gift um, can really exercise it to its fullest measure Mm -hmm. with a group of people that they care about and they may never ever be paid in full-time ministry. And that's actually okay. That's actually okay. That's not the goal. Even if you have a pastoral spiritual gift is not to be in paid full-time ministry. That's not the goal. And I would say, I don't know if you agree with me, Rhonda, but I would say that the pastoral spiritual gift is one of the most needed Mm. gifts in this season to arise. Like I feel like as the pastor and leader of a church that I'm dying to find out who has a pastoral spiritual gift because they need to be in charge of a group of people, loving them, leading them, helping them to grow in Christ likeness. And I need that so much because there are so many people who don't have anybody walking alongside them. And so again, even as we unpack this, my prayer, like my genuine prayer of my heart is for such an awakening of this gift. Cause mm. I know that there are hundreds of pastorally gifted people gifted by the Holy spirit that are sitting in the seats that are not operating in this gift and probably sitting frustrated because they're not being used in the way that they know that they could be. There's something inside that just feels like you're not operating in the significance that you desire. I believe this is a key for so many. So that those are some of the things I would unpack for that gifting. So good. So good. Yeah. And I, I think exactly those that just have such a heart for discipleship and care like really care. I heard a really neat thing from Sanctus Church and they, the main pastor, John said, you know, you know, a pastor and a leader, and this is not even the title. This is just about, um, the spiritual gifting, the spiritual gifting. If there was the sheep, would you go after the one or would you go after the 99? And so if you're right away, like, Oh, the one you have a past more of a bend toward the pastoral side in the leadership. Okay. But I the leaders, that. 99. Right, right. That, he, that's he, just how it is. He actually asked this question to a large group of people and said, okay, you know, put your hand up. Do you have the one? And like half the people put up their hand and do you, would you go for the 99? Half the people put up their hand. He said, well, we just identified leaders and pastors. That's it. So that's a really neat way of even right away, what side of that you would go to. And neither one are better than the other. They're both critical for the flock to be cared for. But the pastor is that one. They will go and find the one and make sure the one gets back on track. Yeah. Whereas the leaders are taking the 99 with a vision and a mission and they're moving forward. Right. So we need those pastors almost like I pitched them like kind of keeping the little fold yeah. in, like keeping everyone yeah. together, the unity, they're yeah. keeping the flow moving forward. Yeah. And the leaders like marching ahead. They may not even know that the one has totally <laughs> <laughs> taken off. Taken off. 
<laughs> that's why that's we true. need the pastors. Yeah. They see yeah. and they have that care. And what yeah. an incredible partnership of leadership, of leaders and pastors that are gifted in spiritually gifted to partner together to care yeah. for flock. Yeah. I think it's so interesting too. And I just want to mention this aspect of gift tension again, because with every single gift comes some tensions. And, um, I remember in that moment, um, I can't remember if it was the teacher that said this, or if it was just a comment that was made, um, you know, sitting near me, but I remember somebody said, well, Jesus went after the one as in to, as in to elevate that it's better to be a person who goes for the one than the 99. And I, I just remember like, even in that moment, feeling the tension because I identified with the 99, like I was kind of like, well, too bad for the one. Like I I've got 99. I have to take somewhere. Like I'm not, I can't be concerned about just the one that fell to the wayside. I have to take like, and I'm compelled. Like I, I can't, like, I can't not, do that like mm-hmm. it's not and I, it's not that I don't care about the one I actually really really care my heart my heart hurts that that one got left or or lost or whatever but it's like I'm I, I'm propelled and compelled to keep going forward with the 99 right but I felt this instant like oh, maybe that's not the right way like maybe that's the lesser or mm-hmm. the like not like Jesus do you know what I mean? Yes, so that's the yes. tension again that's that we tension. all face in. And that's the tension also within leader pastor, because a pastor can rise up and say, how could you not? Like a pastor can kind of heap shame or heap this sense of like, you're not like Jesus or you're not caring or you're not right. And then the leader can also do the same for the pastor just to say, you know, you're not a leader. Like, what do you think is going to happen if you keep, you know, staying with the one? No one's going to come, you know? And so these tensions really, like they really rise up even as we execute the working of God in the body of Christ together, that learning how to come together and submit one to another and really empowering each other to walk in the fullness of how they're gifted, but complementing, right? Mm -hmm. That codependency and that complementing, sorry, it's not codependent, it's interdependent. Interdependent interdependent on one another um to to work together so and it's really neat because you think of the pastor those have pastoral gifting they actually love the small they love the one-on-one and those that have leadership gifting love the big like it's a bit a bit of a bigger crowd that they're leading there's a natural ease you put a leader in a lot of small group settings i mean i'm not saying i'm talking about as god matures and grows but i just think of that they naturally, it grows. They start to grow it and they start to kind of lead the bigger meetings or lead the group, like the group of leaders. Like it just happens. The pastors tend to like it a bit more one-on-one, a bit more like, I see you, I know you. The strong relational pull becomes like a very critical part. And it's beautiful because the partnership of that is extraordinary. But you can also see in the bigger landscape of even the church, like we need pastors with the smaller churches like and you have leaders leading the bigger churches that have pastors on staff that need to care for all the like you know the life groups the home churches all those things but it all works together 
but I, I think it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. beautiful in the mm-hmm. body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, that empowerment to the whole body, the whole body for pastors, I think is just so crucial in oh. this time more than ever, like crucial. more than I just sense it more than ever before. Cause I do believe we're entering into a season where like there is going to be a great awakening. There is going to be a great like movement into faith. And we need people who love people who yes. want to help people grow in their faith yeah. to come alongside small groups of people, groups of five, groups of 10 and to walk them through 20 years of their life yes their life not not necessarily as a paid position but literally as a gifted and empowered by the holy spirit gifting yes. that just fires off and yes. that's that enables you to do this powerfully and effectively and importantly and i just like i just see this as one of the gifts that like my i'm praying i'm really really praying mm. you know that scripture that says you know the the harvest is um, plentiful, but the workers are few. This is our, pa- this is where pastors, like this is the call. Absolutely. Like that's the call to pastors. We need the pastors in the body of Christ to rise like never before. We do. We need you. If you're identifying with this, we desperately need you yeah. desperately. I love that Lord. Cause it really is like a passion for discipleship. Like there is a, a deep, deep desire for people to really relationally grow in Christ and to be properly discipled. And that's one step at a time. And it's a long journey for some and, but they're in it. They're in it for the long game. They're in it. The end game is that, that they would see people disciple to be like Christ. And so, Oh, it's beautiful. And this is a global call. Like I'm not even just, I'm not, I'm not talking about life center. This is, this is a, this is a global call. Like this is a global call to the world that, that the pastors need to rise. They need to yeah. rise like never before. So we're just believing for that awakening to come. I know. I love that. And it is confusing because the role that we fulfill at a church, the leadership role is called pastors, right? It's that's the title. That's the title. But we actually don't have you or I have the spiritual gift of pastoring. No. But we have this spiritual discipline, absolutely, absolutely, that we exercise absolutely. in. But this is a spiritual gift, not a title. Like you've said once again, mm-hmm. reiterating, this is your heartbeat. Like, and there's an ease in that. Like the thought of discipling a small group for years oh, and to walk it them through excites you. Oh, yeah, this is like your passion, like an ease. Yeah. And so, that's it's a beautiful thing to see. And I think of so many that we know personally at the church, when we listen to them talk about their, their life group and all that they're walking through with people and the ease and the joy and the, it's incredible. It's incredible. So we just want to read it. Once again, there's an ease and there's a joy and there is such, like you said, an exciting part of this journey that just comes alive in you. So it's not a title. Love that. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to move on to evangelism. And I think this one has been really misinterpreted what evangelism is. Okay. Like when I think about evangelism, when I grew up, when someone said you're going to be an evangelist, I would have thought like you're going to get out on the street on a soapbox and like, okay. Yeah. Preach to people that know Christ. Yeah. Or you're going to have a traveling yeah. ministry and go like church to church or tent meetings or something yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought. But it's actually not like it can look like that. It can. But it's a very different heartbeat behind. That's kind of the outward of what people, the expression of evangelism, yeah. but there's so many different ways yeah. of expression. But the heartbeat, the definition of a gift of evangelism in general for, refers to the capacity to challenge people through various communicative methods, persuasion, to receive the gospel of salvation in Christ so as to see them respond by taking initial steps in Christian discipleship. So the definition is fair. Evangelism is only listed once, 
like a pastor. So once again, it is a bit harder to identify that spiritual gift. There are good illustrations and acts of conserving evangelism, both individual and public, but they presume you already have a basic definition. And the definition is roughly equivalent to that of pastoring and apostleship in its certainty. So kind of identifies itself like we all have the spiritual discipline we're to have of evangelizing and spreading the gospel of jesus christ our faith with people but this is like there is an ease an overwhelming ease of the gospel so this might really bring it home for those that are listening and you're compelled compelled like you're compelled to do it like you think about it and you're compelled to see people reconcile to god like you're compelled And so here are some of the symptoms that you may see if this is something you have. You have the ability to talk before groups of people and easily converse with strangers. The ability to persuade or influence people. Like like that's kind of where the evangelist can come through because you actually can influence people and persuade them. Um, You have an intense sense of unrest with the thought of people being unsaved and eternally unreconciled to God. Like you would pray about this, be kept up by night thinking about this. Like this really creates very an intense sense of unrest about that. The ability to insert spiritual truths in normal conversation with the unsaved with great ease. It's not awkward, but you actually just insert it in your wherever normal you conversation are. wherever you are. The fact that unsaved people with whom you have contact with often end up pursuing and asking what Christianity is all about. So they ask you questions about it. They feel very safe to do this with you. The fact that unsaved people actually make discipleship commitments as a direct or indirect result of your influence. That's amazing. The fact that that you feel led to pray often for unsaved people by name. The fact that your intercessory prayer time often focuses on unsaved groups of people. And you have the ability to make friends easy. That's so so cool. You are like a pretty loved person. Right. Like people feel they want to be around you. You influence them. You talk to people easily. They feel so safe cool. to ask you questions. And there's a freedom and a joy in talking about Christian things. Yeah. Naturally and in an unforced way. It's yeah. just, it, there's a great joy that comes. Great joy. And you just find yourself so doing interesting. this without even thinking about it. Yeah. Like you may not even think you're an evangelist, but you're always bringing Jesus into a conversation in a very natural way that people are not, they just keep coming back. Like they're not turned off by it. Yeah. They're actually maybe creates a lot of inquisitive questions right, right. and they want to talk Such to you about an it. Engaging yeah. an engaging conversation that is intriguing. That keeps them. Yeah. Wow. Kind that's of, so yeah, cool. That's so influence. cool. And so, you know, what's neat as we're reading through these, I really feel like I don't, I don't want to say this for my husband, Jay, but I actually feel like he has a lot of this. You can see, a I lot can see a lot of this. So I don't know if it's his primary gift or with his primary gift, this gift comes through his primary okay, gift. Okay. But I, I feel like, yeah, like every, t- when we at church do the, like the, my five, where we put those five names yeah. for Easter, yeah. Jay will pray for them for the entire year, every day, daily. And how many times he will have conversations at work, totally talking about Christ. Like it's every time. So natural. So it's natural. Constantly happening. And Are people coming oh to church gosh, with him. An ability to make friends easily. Like, <laughs> He can he oh. can be friends with anybody and everybody loves him because he's so likable. So likable. Like he's so, so likable. And influences people so easily. They just so listen easily. to him. And the funny thing is like we were talking about making friends easily. I'm not joking when I say this. It's kind of the joke in our family that no matter where we go, Jay knows somebody. <laughs> like it's kind of annoying sometimes. I, I want to say 
we were like in Chicago at like a connecting flight <laughs> going in the airport. And someone was like, Jay Corto. And I think the girls and I, my daughters and I all started killing ourselves laughing because it is the joke. Jay turns around as someone he hadn't seen in years. And I'm like, how do oh. you know? We go shopping, Wherever. we go to the grocery store, anywhere we go, someone knows Jay. Uh, anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Like that's, he, ha- he makes friends everywhere he goes. And so wow. just even reading this, I'm like, I wonder if he has just maybe misunderstood the gift of evangelism in his life as wow. something else or exhorta- maybe it's exhortation and evangelism kind of pulls through that. Yeah. But really neat reading this, like, it's a person that is really loved and really yeah. makes, has a lot of friends. That's so cool. And a lot of influence. So cool. I know I have a daughter that, that definitely has this gift. Again, I don't know if this is her primary like gift from the Holy Spirit, but she definitely has this gift. Um, so much so that, and she is all of those things. Like she, she, she never stops talking <laughs> for one ever. And she can bring Jesus into any conversation. And this is what she said to me the other day. Like, this is not a normal thing to say, but we were just in the car and she goes you know she goes when uh when when somebody tells me they're an atheist i'm like challenge accepted <laughs> who 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 thinks like oh, that totally like who Lord. does that like if someone told me they were an atheist i'd be like oh okay they don't want to talk about god so <laughs> i'm not invited to that I, space right now you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. i'd be like point taken no she's like oh challenge accepted like I like she's compelled to give them a revelation of the love of God that she has experienced and seen. She's brought probably 20 kids to church and to youth over the course of two years. Like it's not like, you know, it's not like every day, all the time, constantly, but it's ongoing and consistently and any person she meets, especially the broken ones, which seem to be very attracted to her, she wants to encourage them in Christ. She wants to point them to Jesus. That's like her goal in every relationship is to point them to Jesus. So incredible. So evangelism is a beautiful thing. It's funny. You just stirred a memory when you're talking about your daughter, Jay, when he got diagnosed with cancer, one of the first things he said was like, you know, I, I'm not asking why me, why not me? Like I am part of the human race. This rain falls on the just and the unjust. Like this is part of life. But he's like, if one person can come to know Christ through my journey and he has been, um. wa- I don't know if that's the first, the, what I would say with a diagnosis <laughs> with cancer. I don't think so. Yeah. But those are indicators. Like those yes, are strong indicators. Yes. And even he went through the journey of cancer with someone at the same time and they would meet for radiation and treatment at the same time. And he still calls this person once a week and encourages them in their faith. Like it's almost like he believed that God brought that, that whole situation allowed Jay to be at that time at that place to bring this person to Christ. And he still is believing for that salvation. And I'm like, that is a really remarkable thing to me. So even as you're talking I don't even know if yeah. Jay even realizes, and maybe this is like you said, it could not be the primary. It could be a very strong funneling no, through no, a primary. Totally. And you don't have to type him in any no, way, but listen, no, no. but listen, but that's powerful. But this is where, this is where I think it's so interesting. And this is the same thing that happened to you and I, as this revelation came, we thought it was normal just to be that way. So yeah. it didn't feel like that was special or supernatural because it just felt 
it had such ease to it. And again, like for him and for my daughter too, like I don't think she'd ever call herself an evangelist or think of herself yeah. as specially gifted. She she thinks everyone should think this way. Yeah. Like she believes that this is just totally normal. And why wouldn't everybody think this way? Like why wouldn't everyone want yeah. to bring the love and the light of Jesus and it's to so broken not hard people? To talk about Jesus, like no. it's so easy. So so why you know? <laughs> yeah. But again, because those those supernaturally empowered gifts they come with such ease that it almost feels like they're normal like they're, they're not normal. special yeah <laughs> so i wonder if that's part of like why it's sometimes hard to identify yeah because we just think oh no everyone does that like yeah no this yeah. is special this is unique not everybody thinks this way not no. everybody does this you know this way yeah there's one comment um that is in the description that says that there are three aspects to the operation of this gift. Um, first, there's a person operating th this gift is to mm. proclaim in an authoritative way, either publicly or privately, the message of Christ. And so that would be probably more the typical sort of like you said, standing on a, <laughs> a corner, <laughs> street corner, yeah. or like standing in front of a church or holding, you know, evangelistic meetings, a Billy Graham type of, you know, expression of, mm -hmm. of evangelism. Secondly, it's a leadership gift. Isn't that interesting? So there's a tie, a connection. Mm -hmm. It's a leadership gift. And a person operating in this gift is to influence and lead other Christians into the work of evangelism. So mm -hmm. that's interesting too. Evangelization, helping others to do the same work. And then thirdly, this gift is to operate through the daily lives and testimonies of the believers who are to live exemplar exemplary lives as a witness to the world. And that would be so Jay. Like he's so passionate about integrity and and about and, living yeah, like yeah. an exemplary life. Like he wants his life to be his message, and it is. Like he he lives out his faith as a message of the light and life of Christ. Like just naturally. Like he doesn't really he doesn't really think about it like a lot. Like he just yeah. that's important to him and it's a value system and it's how he is and so their example often causes unbelievers to ask questions about their lives and creates an openness to sharing the gospel and my daughter's like that too emma like absolutely she absolutely like she again is. she's a teenager and so she's got lots of there's lots of stuff going on there but but she just lives her life in a way and she just brings jesus worship prayer how she navigates anxiety challenges difficulties she's just talks openly about it as if everybody does that mm. and then people are like well what do you mean by that and what do you mean i have you know gifts what do you mean i have special qualities in me what do you mean god loves me like you know like she just pours mm. like she just pours it out like as if it's just a natural outflow of who she is and that's that's just such a, a cool a cool and powerful thing oh so neat so yeah. evangelism that is powerful. Yeah, that is powerful. I just want to circle back here just so I don't forget. Yeah. The parable of the talents, I found it in my Bible. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I feel like we need to redeem that if moment people... that we are, we're leaders of the church. We're like, we can't find it in my Bible. You're it, funny. I know. I knew it was verses 14 to 30. It's Matthew 25, 14 to 30. That's what you said initially. I did? Yeah, you said Matthew 25. Okay, thank you. Uh, Brandy, <laughs> uh, gold star for me gold star anyways That's matthew 25 14 to 30 if you're there just you looking for the parable of talents i know this is completely off topic but i just had to redeem that yeah okay as now, we're unpacking this too we're going to go to leadership in a second i i just it's incredible that as we unpack each one how i feel this almost the same overwhelming 
sense of importance oh yeah for each one like i i think of the the gift of evangelism in terms of like the whole of the body of christ and without evangelists nobody's coming to christ <laughs> without evangelists we don't even have a kingdom to build yes <laughs> like so talk about essential like like how much more essential can you get than that this is the starting place for so many believers and again like our prayer in talking about this is that there would be such a great awakening mm. of these gifts if this is the gift that the holy spirit has empowered in you like we need you as a global church across the world to be operating in that yes. gift and i was yes. just doing a devotion um an online devotion a couple of weeks ago and you know, there's 2.2 billion people who call themselves Christians in the world. Like it's the largest group of people that are united around something in the world, like hands down. So one third of the world would say they believe in Jesus and they would identify with Christianity. And so I was thinking like, okay, if, if every single one of those 2.2 billion people led two people to Jesus in their lifetime, two, every one in the world would believe in Jesus. That's it. Like that's how small, like if you really break it down, right? This gift of evangelism for those who have it, you need to, you need to intentionally continue to walk in it. And you need to also know that it is a gift and it is empowered by the spirit and it is special and important and needed maybe more than any other gift. Totally. that exists because totally. we don't have the operation of any other gift without this gift. This yes. is almost like the first gift that then all the other gifts, right? Because at that moment of salvation, the the rest of the gifts are empowered in, mm. within us. So anyways, so, so, so important. So powerful. And everybody else, like we need to keep stepping into this gift out of a discipline. Like totally. it's just a hands down one that yeah. every single one of us, whether we're comfortable or not, or it's whether it's, or whether it's, yes. you know, really hard shoveling and it's hard and it's scary and it's challenging. We have to be stepping into, um, stepping into this gift. And so literally if you could have a vision for your life, for two people in your lifetime to come to Christ as a result of, you know, your, um, relationship with them and you're just investing in them, that's not Amen. crazy. Amen. No. I love that, Lord. That's cool, eh? That's a great, great word. Now, this next one is ruling or leadership. So this one is a bit like once you said it, they're harder to pin down because they're not so much as easily identified in scripture. So this gift is only listed once in Romans 12 passage, and it's called the leadership gift. And usually this gift operates in tandem with other leadership oriented gifts, such as apostleship, pastor, teacher, prophecy, and exhortation. Interesting. So interesting listing. Yeah. So leadership works in tandem with apostleship, with pastoring, with leader, uh, with teacher, with prophecy and exhortation. Cool. So this is, um, and we see the reference in Timothy when we see first Timothy five seventeen, and it begin like I was saying, it'd be difficult to isolate this gift as one that operates on its own. What is clear though, that it is a local leadership gift, not listed with like a cluster, like it's its own gift too. Like it's, but it pulls into these other ones. Okay. So it's its own gift that we're going to kind of rule out. We're going to talk about the actual gift of leadership. Okay. But it works in tandem 
with other orient leadership oriented, but it and is it a gift. It kind of yeah. makes sense if you think about it, because like leadership on its own, how do you exercise leadership? How? Well, you have to exercise the leadership through right. pulling on some of the other gifts. And so it's really going to be hard to say whether like would leadership then be your primary? I don't know. It maybe, maybe it's safer to say that it's more of like a secondary yeah, like it works in tandem method, mm-hmm. like a secondary um, outflow of uh, some other gifts that you're operating in. But again, Mm -hmm. we're just, we're figuring all this out. So I'm not sure about that. So the definition is a person operating with a ruling gift or a leadership gift demonstrates the capacity to exercise influence over a group so as to lead it towards a goal or purpose with particular emphasis on the capacity to make decisions and keep the group operating together. So this is very close with the pastoring one. If you remember the description of the pastoring one, that also said the capacity to exercise concern and care for members of a group and to encourage them in their growth in Christ, which involves maturing and practicing, uh, correcting them from error and disseminating truth. So again, there's, there is a kind of connection between that pastoring, um, bringing people, uh, that leadership, the leadership elements of pastoring we can see kind of a similar, and I think the differences would be um, to lead it towards a goal or purpose with a particular emphasis on the capacity to make decisions. So decision oriented and making calls and to keep the group together, Mm. uh, operating together. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's what you just said, Laura, is pretty important because it can get really muddy here. Like the pastoring gift and the leadership gift, you could have both. Like you could, you could lead, uh, can you lead and pastor? Well, again, I think it's a little, uh, your your pastoral would have a a probably more dominant seeing the people. So uh, when I read all of the descriptions of the pastor, like just, just a few moments ago, it's a lot of leadership, right? People look to you for direction, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they trust you Mm -hmm. to, Mm -hmm. you know, help them grow, to help uh, bring about God's word. Like there's a lot of actually leading aspects to pastoring, which actually, even as I read them, it surprised me. Like you influence the actions of groups. You seek, you can see the problem of the group and you are responsible to help them. You're concerned. You you bring unity. Um, you would be considered by most if, the, if, if they, if you asked other people as a leader, so people see you as a leader. So again, even in those descriptions of pastoring, I was surprised how much leadership is actually mm-hmm. in them. But again, let's keep going through leadership and see if there's also some distinctions yeah, between, because even this is saying that pastoring and leadership kind of exist together. So let's just see how that works and then what's different about it. That's it. Because you know, I th- going. that's that's probably what it is. Like you can have this, even as me processing mm-hmm, with you, mm-hmm. leadership, I love what you talks about. It talks about leaning towards a goal or a purpose. So if you are a, have a pastoral title, that's what could be confusing, but you're leaning towards a, like a, a goal or a purpose. Often with a pastoral like gifting, it's about rallying people. People are kind of looking to you. It's not so much the goal as you're influencing people for them to be more Christ-like, to be discipled. And they look to you as an authoritative position because you do yeah. have that shepherding heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're caring lead, for them. You're Yeah, exactly. And you have a leadership sense because you are caring for them yes. in an authority position. Oh, yeah. We're not even with title, but even in And they've life, given you permission to they do have, that. Exactly. Yeah. But I feel like with leadership in this 
context, you are, like it says with symptoms, the ability to get direction or vision from God for a group. So not as much discipleship oriented that way. You're more like looking for a vision for, from God for a group like that 99. We're going down that like mountain. I'm yeah. bringing you there. You know, that's where we're going. Let's go. Let's Come. go. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So a bit more of that. An ability to influence others to follow. So to make sure everyone, yeah. An ability to organize and build structures that allow for ministry to happen efficiency, efficiently. So this is a little bit different than the pastoral gifting. So if we take roles and titles away, so totally away. Yeah. The pastoral, you've been given a leadership authority in that way that people look to you that but oh, yeah. your actual spiritual gift is discipling and caring for people mm-hmm. if you have a leadership gift you actually are very vision oriented very directional structural ministry efficiency to get a group of people moving not just the one-on-ones the group so this is where i think it's very rare probably to find a pastoral and leader that you probably can find it with the smaller. Like if you're, I don't know how that no, would work. No, I, I, I totally, totally know what you're saying. It's like pastoring needs leadership, but yes. not the spiritual gift of leadership. That's right. The spiritual gift of leadership is much more around vision, structure, being Mission. able to take a large group of people somewhere, yes. lead them, influence them, yeah. uh, keep them on mission, keep them focused, keep them driven. Yeah. And then often that's executed using other gifts like exhortation, like faith, like prophecy, like teaching, teaching. like that's how you're executing this leadership of vision and bringing people and we're going to take the hill and let's go and inspiring and all of that. Right. And then the pastor gift, I almost feel like as you're saying that, I know we keep using sheep, but I picture it. Yeah. Then the pastors are all around the flock, making sure no one's going off route, keeping them like their little staff, bringing them back in, but they've got their watchful eye on their, on all of the little, like the flocks under their care in the big group. You almost can see that the leaders yeah. are charging ahead. Right. With. So they're the, <laughs> they've got their back to the people yeah, because they're going forward. Yes. Where they feel that like God has told them, yeah. led them, spoken to Vision them. Vision oriented. And they're they're moving forward and people are coming along whereas the, the pastor's facing that's right. Facing the people yeah. and keeping them close yeah. and maybe walking backwards. That's right. And the sheep are yeah. looking to them because they yeah. see them as leaders. Yeah. But it's a very different yeah. spiritual gift. Yeah. So I think that's how we're trying to unpack the muddiness. Because even in the definitions, they all cross. Yeah. But the pastors can be seen, pastoral gifting can have that leadership permission. To speak into people's oh, yeah. lives. Oh, big time. But it's a leader. It's a leader. Oh, yeah. But they don't have the spiritual gift of a leader with the mission, with the mission, vision, structural passion to move forward. Right. And right. Uh, like we said, 99 to the one. Right. So this is the 99. This is the one that would say, oh, I would leave the one to go for the 99 because I got somewhere to take them. Yeah. 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 I, I got to get, get somewhere. There. Yeah. We got to get somewhere. We got to get yeah. somewhere. Oh, that's really that. Yeah. I think that's that makes sense. And if I even think of some different giftings, whether it's like gifting, giftings I've seen in the body of Christ or giftings I've seen in the team. And again, I'll talk a little bit about gift tension is, um, you know, we've, we've gotten ourselves in challenging situations when we have expected some people on our, even on our team to be leaders when they're pastors. Mm -hmm. And we've been frustrated about how they've, um, expressed the spiritual gift of pastoring when what we need in that position is a leader to actually 
vision and lead a group of people somewhere and mobilize a group of people somewhere. And so there can be gift tension that goes both ways. And those tensions came back our way too, with always feeling like, um, like whether it's that the the person with the pastoral gift is frustrated, is constantly or continually frustrated because they can't just minister to that, whatever that is, that small group. They can't just disciple. They can't just focus on the care part of what it is in their heart to do, right? And so there's tensions as you walk this out and like, as we learn this about ourselves, and then as we learn this about each other, like we have to have an appreciation for how this manifests and how this benefits the, the whole mm-hmm. body of mm-hmm. Christ. And make sure people are in the right positions That's right. based on the positions that they have, um, you know, particularly whether it's uh, paid positions in a church or whether it's volunteer positions in um, a congregation. They have to be in the right roles in order to um, work as a body, work as a body and function effectively together. Because yeah. if you put an incredible pastor in charge of all life groups, an incredible pastor who's pastoring a, a small group of people and doing it so well and so effectively, and you put them in charge of all the life groups, likely they're not going to thrive in the same way. And so, yeah, we have to be really careful when we see someone really thriving that we don't automatically assume that's a leadership gift that's mm-hmm. firing off. Because sometimes it's just that person is actually operating in the fullness of, of the a pastoral gifting of the gifting that's within them. Yes. And to keep putting leadership on them and saying, no, you need now you need to execute all parts of the ministry. Um, it, it's it will kill them. Yeah. Like it will crush them and yes. kill them under the weight of all of that. Yes. So those so, are the so dangerous neat. parts of, yeah. those are the dangerous parts of it. Yeah. yeah. So to say like, I have a leadership gift. <laughs> I, I think you actually have, like you said, the other gifts are dominant. Right. And the leadership gift shows itself as exactly what we've said, like leader, you start to find yourself in leadership positions with ease. And the 99, that's not a difficult thing for you to be like, oh, I have mobilization in mind like yeah, this. Yeah. And that's, that's usually when you know you have a leadership gift. I, I don't, I don't know if you can just say I have a leadership gift and you just sit there. You pretty much have another primary gift, but you see often that you keep being thrusted into much more mobilizing vision ministerial structure on a larger scale exactly like on a larger scale that's what you said then is just one group of people exactly yeah you know it's funny because as I look back um to just how things have kind of unfolded for me like I've always loved small groups always 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 and I've almost always for like most of my life been a part of them like I just love it I love the dynamic of and I feel like it's the closest form of community that you that you get to function out of But what happens to me in small groups, which is so interesting, and again, this is a leadership, this is leadership firing off that I never recognized because like I said before, I've never felt like a leader. I've never like, I've never looked at myself and said, wow, I'm a leader. I've never thought of myself as a leader, but um, I love small groups and I will walk with a small group of people, but every single time, and it's always the same, it's only for a season. And I always at some point, and I can't shut it off. I always want to grow my group 
like to its maximum capacity. And then once it's at its maximum capacity, because honestly, like you can only have so many people in your group, but I've had honestly small groups with 30 people in them because I can't stop inviting people and I can't stop, I can't stop growing it. And and I just mm-hmm. want everybody mm-hmm. to experience it. I can't shut it off. Like I, I want to, and I try. And so many other people are like, no, let's keep it small. It's so wonderful. And I, like, I can't, like, I can't, yeah. I can't do it. So then a small group will grow, you know, 10, it'll start at 10, 8, 10, it'll grow to 15, 20, 30, uh, to the point where you're like, okay, this isn't a small group. This is a church. <laughs> like, this is not, you yeah. know, and so then the multiplication structure starts to unfold. And then all of a sudden I find myself and there's multiple groups happening and there's managing of multiple groups. And, you know, it just happens over and over and over again in anything that I do. And then what the other part where I know it's leadership firing off, but again, I don't, doesn't feel like it. So that's mm-hmm. the weird thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that just because you might be the same, but you may not feel like a leader. Like you may not feel like the typical characteristics of like a world, like how the world identifies what a leader is. Um, Cause again, this is not about acquired skill. No. This is about a supernatural God given empowerment that something happens every time you get involved every time that you come on board with something so then what keeps happening is I always have a new idea so once I've kind of walked out whatever it is and I've grown it and multiplied it then a new idea comes and it keeps building and it keeps building and it keeps building and I never stop Mm. and I'm always looking like and it's not fast. These things don't happen fast. It's not like every six months I'm changing course. Mm-hmm. It's like two, three, four, five years I invest in something. And then inevitably something new. The Lord just inspires something new. It's something I've never done before. And I and I go, I run again. Mm-hmm. And, and I am. And I am like that leader who's running up the hill. And I'm not really looking behind that much. Totally. Like I'm kind of like, come on. This is so exciting. Let's go. You've yes, got this. Like yes. we can do this. And I don't really know we can do it. <laughs> But I just get really pumped and really, really excited about whatever that new next vision that, you know, what the Lord has, has inspired or whatever. So I can see, like, I can see how, even as we describe it this way, that's exactly what happens over and over again. But again, I don't feel like a leader. So, Mm -hmm. so it's a Mm -hmm. funny, it's a funny tension even just to hold within within myself it's not like I'm the first person to like put myself in charge of of things it's not like I'm you know I I'm I'm content not to actually be the leader but I'm consistently put into or given the opportunity or through the vision that's on my heart I just I just take take a leap Mm. even though I feel unqualified, I take a leap and, mm. and risk something and, and go and run. So anyways, it's interesting. That's kind of how it, it unfolds in my life. And so neat and with you your gift be, of faith though. Yeah. But think about that. Even like the leadership, like we're talking about leadership needs something. You have yeah. a gift of faith where if you're going to get to, I shouldn't right. maybe no, no, let's get out of the bag here. Okay. Yeah. But I'm just saying, and yeah. mine's exhortation. So it will yeah. maybe a little bit different. Yeah. Like you're all, the boldness and that faith aspect yeah. of you to like think and dream the impossible yeah. to go after. And for me, the larger the crowd, the more to motivate and the more to bring. I love it. Yeah. Cause like explain how your leadership would sort of manifest. Cause you definitely also have a strong like leadership, mm-hmm. like, and it's just, 
it it's just natural like it just comes out in whatever you wherever you place yourself mm -hmm. you're thrust into leadership so how does that kind of play out for you I feel like it would be in the sense of you like I I'm always looking for the next thing like okay. I love I love the next goal. I okay. love the next plan. I love to dream ahead how we can move forward. But for me, it would be the more the better, like influencing more people, bringing more people with me and the exact same thing. Sometimes I've got so many coming. We're having such a good time. I don't really look too far behind. Right. You know, it's kind of like, let's all go. The more right. I can mobilize, the more I can come along, get more people on the vision and influence more people to get on board with what's happening it brings so much joy to me. The larger the teams can become, the more leaders I can bring, bring the more I can develop <clears throat> to have a bigger multitude move towards a goal. That gives me such joy that I, I can't even, I love seeing things burst. So I would not be a great planting, like planting something. Like when I think of the new works, that would be so like starting with no. two, you're no. like, oh, no. yeah. Give me something that's moving with momentum and I want to just multiply it. Oh, like get a lot of people yeah. to just buy in with the heart that they bring and the value that they bring for them to see how needed they are for the multitude to move forward. That's for me, the mobilization of people. And uh, so the more people, the better we can bring along. So yeah, the 99, So you want to feed exciting. the 5,000. Who are we kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I love the 99, like moving ahead, but that's exactly what we see. Like God has made us so unique that the one, not necessarily you're running so fast ahead because you're, there's a momentum and excitement and you're gathering that those pastors are literally like the ones catching the nets, like catching oh. that that is the beauty of the partnership and the dependency that we have in the spirit together and the tensions are there and we need to listen to one another because there's times it's like, let's go full steam ahead. And there's times we have to be like, Oh wow. We're no one's here. Coming. Like I think <laughs> no, we need time for people to catch up. I think of the one story when you snow picked like your ice skates on the yeah, snow it's right, kind of like that right we right, were all right. having such a we're good skating time in all together all together having a wonderful time we actually didn't notice that you had fallen yeah way behind I us i tripped and tripped fell, and fell. And i was on my stomach and you guys just kept winded going winded and going and we we're having a great time and i'm sh probably sure the most beautiful gentle person noticed that you weren't with us <laughs> and said where's Lori?" and we all were like oh Lori's like totally at the end winded maybe a bloody nose like but that's like that that is the analogy i just thought of like in the pastoral yeah. gifting like we're all having a great time with excited about a vision oh, running but there running. could be people broken and hurt and have tripped and fallen and all of a sudden was like, wow, I haven't seen that person in a while. The pastors noticed. They're like, have you noticed someone hasn't been here? And that is why that we're all so needed in the body of Christ. So I just love that. And it's definitely not one elevated more than the other. It is just different roles, different way of moving things. So I really believe leaders have a real mobilization, vision, mission, mission, movement, passion, movement. Movement is a big part of leadership. So if you have that, you know that you know it. You get restless when things stay quiet or stagnant for the too long. For too long, yeah, pastors yeah. they thrive in that because they're really caring and anchoring and rooting people in. It's about a rooting system for pastors, but um, for leaders, it's about a mobilization and a moving forward. 
So yeah. it's really neat. It is. It's so neat. We um we had, you know, sort of a, a situation many, many, many years ago kind of unfold with exactly that analogy, you know, because as Life Center, it is a leader-driven church. It is. Mm-hmm. And we are always moving forward and we are always expanding beyond kind of where we've ever been before and even beyond... W- how like what we know how to do you know what i mean (laughs) we're kind of pushing forward into the unknown territory constantly and continually and over and over again and so you know there was a season where we had somebody on the team who again we were pushing along in this way and all they wanted to do was sit with a small group like all they wanted to do was kind of keep their you know their comfort was in and it's really all they desired out of the fullness of you know ministry and serving and all of that but because we were moving at such a quick pace and even growing at such a quick pace like we didn't have the luxury to just to 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 stay there right in that particular role and in that particular position so it did hit a moment of real real gift tension that showed up and it's so neat because as we as we're honest about um what we're called by god to do and then as we're as we honestly navigate those tensions with each other, there's a space for every single one of us to thrive. And so that particular leader is now doing exactly what they're created to do and thriving and loving Mm. and every part of sort of the gift, the empowerment of the spirit, the measure, all of that Mm -hmm. is being expressed in the fullness of all they could have desired. Mm -hmm. Whereas like in our structure, it was crushing, like Mm -hmm. it was soul crushing, Mm -hmm. right? And so again, like those are just things that we're constantly having to walk out and navigate both on like a staff team um, as we lead, but also in the body um, one with another and um, like being open enough to have those conversations and being open enough and really knowing, like knowing and accepting like how we're created is such a huge part because again, yeah. even if that person, if that individual with a pastoral spiritual gift was saying every day, oh, I just want to be a leader though, but I want to be a leader, but I, but all I want to do is just be a leader. I want a vision cast. I want to take the hill. I want to, it doesn't matter how much yeah. they want to. No. And even if they put all their effort and all the discipline into practicing it's just going to crush them. Yeah. They'll burn out. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. So yeah. again, we have to, that's why it's so important to go on this journey. It is. And I think it's even beautiful. Like even when I'm thinking of all the churches across Canada, across the world, you have leaders that are the main lead pastors and you have past people with spiritual gifts that are the main pastors of a church. Yeah. You know, so some churches they're meant to stay small and anchored and discipled like close family. And some churches, God has placed leaders with the spiritual gift of leadership that they're like expanding. And that's just the, the spiritual gifts and the measure is one better than the other. No, not at all. Because in the body of Christ, not everyone wants to be at a church that has leadership as like the spiritual gifts yeah. of leaderships are their pastors. Yeah, that is running. That, that is, is running. That is moving. That's changing. moving all the time. They want mm-hmm. a small family to just grow and disciple and connect and to, that all has space and place in the body of Christ. And I think gone, you know, you want to see gone the days, gone would be the days that people compare the numbers of their church or compare yes. because the health of the church is all of us operating at our spiritual gifts. Yeah. 
So one much, my one church may have 3000, 4000 multiple campuses. God has put leaders with the yeah. spiritual gift of leadership in that church. Yeah. You may have churches that are a hundred people and they literally walk hand in hand through every valley, every storm as a family and thrive because God has put spiritually gifted pastors in charge of that congregation. And I think we just embrace it all. And we just embrace that every church looks different because that's how God made the body of Christ. Yeah. And so I think it's beautiful. And like you said, we have to come to terms with that. And I think even those that are, we're working full time at a church, we have to understand where we are in that as well and be okay. Yeah. With yeah. the, okay, that's my role. I I'll never thrive. May I may want to be that, but I would actually be crushed. And we actually need you to be pastors. We need leaders and pastors working together in all staff levels and in all areas of life. So it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I could go and on again, a tangent about that. No, but. that's so good because again, there's no excuses here. There's no. no excuses. Even though you and I would identify more as a leader than a pastor, that's not an excuse to not pastor people. And, that's and, right. and we, we would never ever just abdicate no. part of our role no. um, as loving, pastoring, discipling. And we love to do those things. Yeah. But again, we have to recognize that we may not have the, as much effectiveness if we only spend all our time doing that as opposed to doing what like we've been wired and created and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do. So so again, there's in no way, even as you identify your gift, that you make an excuse and just say, well, I don't do that. Absolutely. No, we operate out of a discipline in all the gifts when needed, and we just do. But the hope and the desire would be that we would have people who are supernaturally empowered in every single gift in every area so that nobody gets exhausted. And I think that the other piece that I just want to remind all of us about and myself too, even as we talk about the difference between shepherd and leader and all Mm -hmm. of this and capacity and measure, like even in the gift of the talents where there was one, three or Mm -hmm. one, five and 10 or one, three and five, either, however, a couple different translations, but, um, the, that those are numbers. And sometimes we think numbers equate value to God. It's not about value. It's not about value. So again, if you're functioning with a group, a small group of 10, a church of 50, a church of 5,000, there's, those are all different numbers. There's no, to God, there is absolutely no value measure based on those numbers. So again, it's not about the number. We place value to the numbers. It's about us being faithful and good stewards of whatever's been entrusted. And all of that, as God looks down, as the master who owns it all looks down, that's equal value across the board. Whether you are a small group of 10, whether you are a church of 50, whether you are a church of 5,000, whatever you're called to lead, whatever you're called to pastor, as long as you're faithful to the measure you've been given, that is equal, absolutely equal value to God. Absolutely. It's about obedience and not comparing being who God has called us to be. I love that, Laura. That's so it. Absolutely. And you know, at the end of the day, it's the body of Christ. It's not even about us. It's not even about what we build, what we do. It's about fully being what God's asked us to be in that moment with the purposes he is predestined for us as we are obedient to him and call are called according to his purpose. Yes. So I love that the faithfulness that. of God and yeah. 
I would love, like, that's what I was saying. I just want those days to be gone when you're like, how many go to your church? How many go to our, or even with one another, like just be who God's called you to be and embrace it because it's about him for him. It's his body. It's his purpose. It's about the kingdom of God, not our kingdom, our kingdom, our, our names will be nowhere. It's about his name, the honor of his name. And we need every pastor, every leader, everyone that is, you know, we've talked about apostleship. We've talked about teaching. We need exhortation everyone to be in their spiritual gifts so we can be the body of christ yeah. and so yeah. let's run all of it so would you as we close today Rhonda, would yeah. you just utter just a prayer for those sure. who may identify with the three that we just unpacked um pastor leadership and evangelism can you just sure. pray into all of those for anybody who might identify with any of the characteristics that we sort of talked about as we unpack these gifts today and just you know, as we, as Rhonda prays over you, just receive an impartation, receive that fresh empowerment um, as Rhonda prays over us today. Father, we just thank you for your body. We thank you for how unique you've made each of us and how significant each of us are in the body of Christ for the purposes that you have for each of us. And so we just say, God, that we embrace who you've made us to be. And we thank you that we can also walk in the disciplines, spiritual disciplines, because that is making us more like you. And that is what the truth of the word is. So we just thank you for the evangelists among us. We thank you for the pastors among us and for the leaders among us. And we just speak over their lives, a special it, like a fresh impartation into their lives of these giftings of reawakening, a fresh infusion of your spirit, of your passion, of your vision, of just the significance they hold that they would run with feet that are fitted by you for these spiritual gifts. So we thank you, God, that this is all for the furtherance of your kingdom. And so just a fresh impartation of these gifts into those that are listening. And if they have, if that's awakening something in their hearts, we just thank you for even a deeper revelation of these gifts and how they are operated by the spirit, functioning by the spirit, empowered by the spirit for them to make a huge Jesus sized difference in their world. However, that looks like in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And just as you go today, remember God has complete confidence in you. And you are crowned as a daughter of the King. Have a blessed day. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. It would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a review. You can follow us on Instagram at Awakening Moments Podcast, and you will find Lori and I at Lori Eitz Boucher and Rhonda.Corto. We'd love to connect with you.